0: Prepare your heart to be moved by God through the preaching and teaching of His Word, as delivered at Truth Gatherers Dream Center Church. My theme today, of course, we're in the series, Winning the Crisis in the Midst of a Crisis, Winning the Crisis, which is your crisis, in the midst of the crisis. Uh, My theme and focus today is Surviving the Storms Until the End surviving the storms until the end. Let's go to Mark verse uh, chapter four, verse thirty-five to forty-one. It says, and the same day when the evening, the evening was come, evening time, he said unto them, Jesus talking to his disciples, let us pass over unto the other side, from one side of the lake to the other side. And when they had sent away the multitude, they took him, <coughs> Excuse me even as he was in the ship and there were also with him other little ships all right you get the scene all right they're taking cross and there are other little ships following them or watching them in this situation and there arose a great storm of wind and the waves beat into the ship so that it was now full and he was in the hinder part of the ship Jesus is now in the hinder part of the ship asleep on a pillow and they awake him, the disciples and say unto him, master careth not that we perish Hmm. wow wow, Jesus puts them in a storm, puts them in the boat and tells them you follow me to uh, to the other side they can begin on their journey as they're on their journey, as I set this scripture, as they're on their journey you notice that the storm comes but Jesus goes to sleep While Jesus goes to sleep, a storm of wind came, it beat into the ship, the waves, the water, that now the ship is full. Another verse of scripture that captures the same story says that the disciples said, we are in jeopardy. We are in jeopardy of sinking and going under. The first thing they bring against Jesus in this accusation is his nerve to call them to be in a ship, go to sleep in the midst of a storm, and then not wake up when they need him most. And so their first accusation against Jesus is master careth not that we perish. It would have seemed that Jesus leadership in this moment is careless. It would seem I'm getting deep today. I'm going to talk about COVID-19. I'm going to talk about pandemic. I'm going to talk about end times. It would seem that Jesus leadership is haphazard in this situation because he has disciples in a boat, and let's just say we know Jesus knows everything. So, Jesus knowing everything, it can even seem like torment that somebody who knows everything would prevent everything. He knows it to lead you in it, but even though he's leading you in it, he's still not preventing everything that occurs in our lives. Jesus gets on the boat, goes to sleep, he knows all that's going to happen, but yet he goes to sleep, and while they, while he's asleep, they are panicking because of the storm. The, we, the waves have beaten into the ship, and Jesus is at the hinder part of the ship, And I I, I believe the scripture just had the nerve to give the details. Now, if anything make you mad, first of all, about him being asleep in a storm is the nerve for him to be asleep on a pillow. He's also on a pillow comfortably resting in a storm they wake them and they say, you don't, you don't care that we perish. All right? So, imagine the urgency. Imagine the heart racing. Imagine um, the fear. Imagine the anxiety in the midst of a storm. Imagine what they're feeling in the midst of this trial. Imagine. Also, I already painted the picture that they got other people watching them while they go through the lead ship. They're in the lead ship with Jesus and other little ships are watching them panic in the storm. And in verse 39, look at Jesus' response. He arose and rebuked the wind and said unto the sea, peace, be still, and the wind ceased. And there was a great calm. So he, got, he gets up, all right, he called, they call on his name. He gets up and rebukes the storm. We got that. But look at this. And he said unto them, why are ye so fearful? How is it that ye have no faith so listen now Jesus comes and after rebuking the circumstance now he rebukes his disciples. Hear my point as I get moving. I want you to know that Christ has a different standard of how we live and respond even in the midst of a trial, even in the midst of a storm. You would think that Jesus would have got after he rebuked the storm, rebuked the wind. You would have thought that he would have came back and had a hug party you would have thought that he would have went by and just comforted everybody but what he decided to do in this case he decided to rebuke them for living in fear in the midst of the storm this shows us as Christians that Christ holds us you and I to a higher standard of living while we go through the storm he holds us to a certain level of character while we go through the storm now you may say now pastor that's not fair because I'm human just like everybody else I have feelings just like everybody else I have thoughts just like everybody else why that now that I'm a Christian that I'm hold to a higher standard of going through a trial at a different level know why it's because Jesus is on the boat with you it's because Jesus is in your life and when Jesus is in your life you got something else to draw from that alone gives Christ the reason that he can hold us accountable for going through the storm differently than anyone else and so I want to show you that in leadership that God still requires a smile while you're going through what you're going through God still requires some joy. He requires some joy while you're going. He requires some thanksgiving. You can't just give up in your circumstance, lay down, have a temper tantrum, tantrum, and say, I'm tired of what I'm going through. No, 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 no. He's compassionate. He's merciful. But he's going to be merciful to raise you back up to the standard that you can stand on your two feet and say, I'm in this thing, but I'm not in this thing alone. I want you to put that. I got, ah, come on. I'm in this thing, but I'm not in this thing alone. Jesus was in the boat and he was at the hinder part of the ship. Let me give you that detail as well. This detail at the hinder part of the ship is where the rudders are or where the steering faculty is in the ship. And so, although Jesus is asleep on the ship or on the boat, he's still controlling the thing. He's still controlling in the movement. So while it looked like Jesus was not doing anything, he was right next to the part of the ship that controls the steering. Can I say that if you trust him, he'll lead, I feel the Holy Ghost. If you trust him in the storm, if you trust him in the midst of COVID-19, if you trust him in the midst of things going on in our community, going on in our city, and our state, if you trust him, he will lead you in the midst of danger. He will lead you. Now, we would love for him to take us out of danger. We would love for him to just bring us out of all our trouble. But the truth of the matter is, he's a leader and a guider while we are in trouble. All right, and so there has to be some emotional stamina that we begin to build. And the only way we can do it, I'm in verse 40, is we can't be so fearful. He says, Why are ye so fearful? How is it that ye have? no faith and so jesus requires faith while we go through some of the toughest times in humanity i I have to admit and you should agree with me and those who've been alive would say they have never seen what we're seeing in the day and time we live in it's not just COVID 19 alone but have you ever seen this much turmoil in our earth at one time at one time At one time, have you ever seen so much turmoil? At one time, while you're dealing with COVID 19, you're also dealing with police brutality and the need for new laws and legislation that has mounted it has mounted and peaked we're almost at a tipping point in America and in the world Hollywood, people are saying enough is enough is a very common phrase people are sick and tired of being sick and tired come on why can't we love one another regardless of the color of our skin it's one thing to separate yourself from somebody because they got p- bad character evil ways they steal they rob that's one thing, that's judging based on character, but come on God has made every mankind and people are still walking around with racist hearts not loving and not caring for people because they are of a different complexion of skin when the truth of the matter there is no white person of the race of being a white person who made themselves white, it comes from God, there is no African American who has made themselves African American, it comes from God, there's no Asian who's made themselves Asian. Nobody woke up and decided they will be Asian. Hallelujah! Come on now, well, people do all kind of stuff today, but under from the bloodline, you got me. People wake up with all kind of stuff. You understand what I'm saying? But or, normally, nobody woke up, meaning your color, you your, or your race uh, uh, or your heritage. You didn't even choose that. You didn't wake up and say, "I'd rather be black than white." Uh, as far as race or heritage, it was already predestined. So who, who, who do? We think we are in humanity uh, to not love what God has created see all this thing that's going on in this earth during this time we have never seen so much turmoil that's going on in this time we also have never seen so much change at the same time that is occurring and so in the midst of turmoil you better open your eyes because there is some change and some bright spots still happening I think it's a good thing I, and I'm going to talk I got a whole bunch to say I got to walk through this today and the Holy Spirit has helped me to articulate some stuff I think it's a good thing that uh, uh, um, um monuments that only represent a Time in the era of slavery and um, uh, of suffering and oppression of people are torn and removed. I, I don't believe that's everything we need, but I believe removing those things from as imagery in front of us is very important. We need heroes that represent the love of humanity, all right? And we should not have monuments. I don't care if it is history, like they're saying, put it in a museum, all right? Put it out of our view. We should not be lifting up any person's character. I don't care if that was the day of the time. We should not be honoring that type of mindset. And so if you want to know clearly where I stand, I stand clearly that it should be torn down, it should be removed, and we should uh, foster an environment of loving all mankind. Come on. And I don't care if it was that day and time. We should still not have it before us every day. So clearly, I want you to know without a shadow of a doubt, I am for all those monuments being removed and put into a place, Amen, where it's just history and it's not living before us. All right. So let's don't get caught up in the rhetoric of human, uh, the rhetoric of people who don't want to change, of people who don't want to see deliverance, for people who don't want to see things move forward. I am all for it in the name of the Lord Jesus. And all of these things are going on because I want you to understand that we are in the end times. This is one of the things I gotta keep sharing with our church that we're gonna have to learn the. Battle let <clears throat> of how to be strong how to celebrate how to create success how to live with joy, peace how to be sober in the midst of everything that's going on it's the end times it's the time of tribulation how do I know it? because deception is at an all high dissension, that's wars devastation, I got 10 D's deception, dissension that's wars devastation, that's famines disease, that's pestilence disasters, that's earthquakes death, uh, even the, uh, the killing and shootings and some people would love and I said this before but I got more of your attention today, I said this before some of you will only like to be one sided and talk only about the death of a white cop on a black person but everyday the devil rides hard in African American communities where blacks are killing blacks and quit the foolishness, I know it well. It's the trick of the enemy to make us think we can't fight two things at one time. There are different situations. I understand it that people do crimes in the area of proximity. Okay, I got that. But the question is, is it okay? The question is, are we going to stand up against it? The question is, are we going to speak out against it? Or are we going to be quiet and hush our tails, tuck our tails, and not even try to bring righteousness with? In the African American community so we don't have brothers killing brothers sisters killing sisters and we can protest for one thing but we can't protest for another there is something wrong with that and as believers we gotta get our minds right it's one thing for the world to be lopsided but us the people who are believers gotta get ourselves right and we gotta decide whose side we're gonna be on I'm talking to you believers we gotta decide whose side we're gonna be on are we gonna be on God's side or the world's side the world has a way of thinking and God has a way of thinking and we got to decide in this type of a climate if we're going to be on God's side or not because some of us are starting to talk just like the world We can't tell that you know salt of the earth. We can't tell that you're here to preserve. We can't tell. You don't even know the difference of how to stand up for something because you got so overwhelmed by the pain of life that you're still not following the word of God. And even in the midst of injustice, we got to follow the word of God. A few weeks ago, I taught very clearly on protesting on a Wednesday night that protesting is of God. I already mentioned that I have been a part of protests. I've been mentioned I've been a part of marches and I will do the same. Amen. But I, I believe that we should take a stand even that God has taken a stand. Justice and mercy belongs to God. All right. I was at verse uh, number six. All right. On the ten signs of tribulation. I'm right, start over deception, dissension, devastation, disease, disaster, death. Number seven, disloyalty. That's betraying one another delusion that's false prophets Whole lot of that defection that's turning away from God and each other and the last one that's a part of the end time is declaration now this is a good thing because it's the declaration of the gospel and so what I'm saying here listen is we can't go missing in the midst of this storm Jesus requires I hope y'all ready today I I told y'all y'all got to be ready Because it's no sense of keep saying you're a believer and you can't handle a few scriptures on a Sunday. That's the other thing I got to hope run out. Those of you who've been saved a while and you can only handle a 20 minute sermon. I'm coming out to your low appetite for the word of God. If you're going to sustain and sustain a right mind in this season and survives the storms to the end, you are going to have to build your appetite for worship and the word. You're going to, if you're going to make it, I'm talking about surviving. See, many times we, only, we try to skip surviving and go to thriving. The foundation of thriving is for surviving. There are some key elements. And if you're still allergic to a 45-minute uh, a to an hour sermon, I'm, I'm even going to even go to say if you're allergic um, at times to a two-hour sermon. I'm just saying there are times you got to get it. There's times you got to be hungry enough to get the word. I'm not trying to say abusing people's time and every Sunday going to be two hours and we just act like you ain't got nothing to do. And we disrespect people. But there are times. And if and I'm going to go there, I'm dead this morning. I'm going to go there. If you're going to survive, there are times you do things that are necessary to survive that you wouldn't do if you're not in the survival mode. And so if you need to be at the table eating more, eating more food to make sure you got nourishment, that's what you have to do. And so these little appetites for worship, especially for those I'm talking to who's been saved a while now, if you just got a born again Christian, you recently got saved, there is more time for you to get built up in the word, built up in the presence so that you can get more stamina right and we don't expect babies to have stamina How hey, many ever walk somewhere with the baby right you could be in the mall the grocery store and that little child they can walk they two three years old but how many how many know Have you been there 20 30 minutes that baby like pick me up mama pick me. Up. <laughs> this is enough right they're gonna reach out their hands and they're gonna say pick me up i can't walk no longer my legs are tired so i understand and this is what i'm saying this season and, I, and i'm gonna say this if you can't handle a word over 25 to 30 minutes then i I need you to declare that you're a baby. Because I can deal with people who who recognize that they are babies. But it's one thing when people act like they are mature in a thing, but they're actually immature. See, and then so you get responses from immature people as if they're mature. No, just go ahead and declare that you're a baby, and then we can treat you like one. See, we got to grow in the knowledge and in the spirit for worship and the word. And God is trying to make sure that we are the type of people that can survive until the end. I read you the verses. Jesus didn't back up from them because they were in a storm. He was on the boat with them and he held them accountable. They still astonished saying, what kind of man is this? And he said, no, why are you so fearful? Why are you have no faith? Why are you not walking in the word? Why are you not walking in power? And in these times where we're in the end times, as a pastor, I have to make sure that you got enough strength to endure to the end. We always talk about 666. We talk about uh, the mark of the beast. Come on, if you're vulnerable, if you're weak, if you can't go a few days without a little encouragement, if you give up, come on, if you give up easily, you are more vulnerable to take the mark of the beast when it comes you don't have to die and I know that sometimes we don't talk about that but you may have to die for his name's sake. if there ever came a time that they wanted you to betray uh, betray a Christ you may have to die I know we don't want to talk about it but you may have to say for God I live for God I die but I'm not doing that and I must as a pastor build you up and ensure I'm doing my part as it relates to your life with godliness and so I want you to understand we're in the end times I'm going to read a verse that talks about about the end time, so you get a clear picture of the end time. Second Timothy third chapter verse one through seven. It reads, This know also that in the last days, Second Timothy third chapter one through seven. This know also that in the last days perilous times shall come. For men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers. Disobedient to parents—that's a sign of the last days. Unthankful, no matter no matter how people help you, no matter how much God help you. Unthankful, unholy, without natural affection. Mean men should love women; women should love men. Women should love men. Natural affection. Without it, don't have a drive for it. Truth breakers, false accusers, inc- incontinent fierce, despise of those who are good, traitors, come on, the Bible got a lot to say about the end times, heady, arrogant, high-minded, lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying the power thereof, that's religious, religious mindsets, from such turn away. And so if you're going to make it through the storms to the end, you're going to have to learn to turn away some stuff you have to grow some righteous backbone and be able to turn away some stuff. The whole list that we've just listed, you'll have to turn away some stuff if you're going to make it. For 6, for of this sort are they which creep into houses. Even the Bible used the word creep. Tell somebody to stop creeping. For this sort are they which creep into houses and lead captive silly women. I'm telling you, I read the Bible, you get enough from this. Lead captive silly women laden with lust Led away with diver's lust. That's all types of sexual immorality. Here's verse seven. Ever learning. Always learning. A new podcast. A new TV show. A new book. A new fan. A new hero. A new person you following. Ever learn, forever learning. Ever learning. But never able to come to the knowledge of truth. This is a person who seeks knowledge over and overcome, over and over again, but never, no matter how much they learn, they still ain't came into the knowledge of truth. They still ain't not come in that God is almighty and Jesus is Lord. No matter how much they learn, they got plenty of information. They can get conversation going on and on. They can talk to you for days. They're intelligent. They're smart. But when it comes time to understand truth, they don't accept and acknowledge truth. It is a sign of the end times. And we must be built for the storm so that we can make it through the end times. What Jesus actually requires of us in the midst of the storm is this. It's not that we're scared and it's not that we're stupid. I said in the midst of the trial, in the midst of the storm, in the midst of COVID-19, it is not that we are either scared or stupid what i mean clearly by that is it's not just good enough to say i'm not scared because being scared in itself don't mean you're walking in wisdom you can say i'm not scared and do the worst things of life because i'm not scared being not scared is not enough and being on the opposite end of the spectrum where you're stupid and i use the word stupid without backing away from it Because to have a COVID party with somebody who is diagnosed with COVID to see if you're going to be the one who catch COVID is stupid. That is ignorant, that is stupid. It is stupid to take risks. The devil came to Jesus and the devil said to Jesus, if you be the son of God, won't you cast yourself down from this temple and let God catch you? Jesus, baby, said, I ain't doing that. That's stupid. Why do I need the help of the angels to come to lift me up so I don't die and I can just keep myself from going to the top of the pinnacle and jumping down? That's stupid for me to do it. And we can neither be uh, scared nor stupid. In this environment we live. So what does Jesus actually require? The key word here is sobriety. Say sober. He want us sober. He want us being able to be a clear thinker through the mud through the the rhetoric through faith and through prayer. He want us to be able to be a clear thinker and I know it's not easy to be a clear thinker and to be a clear thinker sometimes you got to get away from everything. To be a clear thinker sometimes you got to quiet down and pray. You got to settle your spirit. You got to settle your emotions. You got to turn off the TV. All right, you heard what's happening. Now you got to turn it off. You got to get focused you got to see how to navigate in this because what's happening in this environment I am watching people turn off their minds people are turning off their minds they are no longer thinking and if they're thinking they're only thinking from a fear based aspect They're not thinking with faith. They're not thinking, how do I survive? They're not thinking, how do I navigate? They're not thinking, how do I live in this environment? They are either getting upset, overwhelmed, throwing up their hands, or being very careless about life and god wants us to move into a place called being sober that's the key word today that drives this message that drives my 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 address to you is god don't want us just to be not scared and he just don't want us to be stupid he wants us to have the balance of all things and for us to be sober everybody say sober all right, Everybody say sober. Let's go to 1 Peter 1 through 13. I got to get this sobriety in our spirit so we know what sober looks like. First Peter 1 and 13, it says, wherefore gird up the loins of your mind. Gird up the loins of your mind means get ready to do something. It means get ready to do something. Gird up the loins of your mind. Protect your mind. Get ready. To gird up means to get ready. Be prepared. Be sober and hope to the end for the grace that is to be brought unto you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. All right. And so we have to be people who are sober to go gird up our loins. In the time of a storm, we got to learn to think. Everybody say, I can think. I want to say this. Say, I can think under pressure. I can think in the midst of the storm. I can have clarity of focus in the midst of chaos. I can have peace in the midst of chaos. Tell somebody I can do it. I can have it. I want you to begin to clear your mind so so, you, so the enemy don't start ministering to you. The enemy ministers to, to you to as ministers as well. He comes to steal, kill, destroy. And he will minister to you that you can't think under pressure. That you can't plan under pressure. That you can't come up with the right strategy under pressure. I'm really pushed because in the next few weeks, parents have already been thinking about what are we going to do with our kids? How do we navigate this whole climate? It's not the easiest decision. And it's a tough decision. I know uh, you can be on one side and not on the other. But it's, it's, it's not always a solve all to shut everything down. Because you can't shut everything down forever. Right? Because how, how, you, how you pay your bills is because something is open and there's an exchange. There's an economy that needs to run. This is not an easy type decision. Don't think that everybody is just out to hunt you down and to take care and to take take away your life. These are complex decisions in this life on whether to keep what open and keep what closed and how to balance things off. You can't just close everything. No, there's no way. Yeah, you can quarantine for a a period of time, but quarantine can't even last forever. It was not meant to last forever. And if you're for a season and then you go back into it, and there's a balance that must happen. Even in the season that we're in, I'm telling you all, we got to prepare for a mixture of quarantine, opening, Quarantine, open it until everything phases out. We're going to need flexibility. We're going to need agility. We're going to need to pay attention. We're going to need to understand when things are raising up and when things are going down. You got to recognize both when things are going up and when things are going down. We're in that season where you got to pay attention. You got to be sober. You got to pay attention. And you got to be sober. And you got to make decisions on what's best for you and your household. And you got to make decisions on what's best for you and your family. All right? right and there's times in life listen to this there's times in life you have to make hard decisions on what's best for you and your family let's say it like this that this world right now are being run mostly by essential services and people who are on the front line nurses doctors and people who take care of some of the necessities of life to keep things running Now, I know some of us are not in that profession, and so what we think is, that ain't me. But somebody is stepping up so we can still keep going. What would happen if the doctor decided not to be a doctor? What would happen if the nurse not be a nurse? I'm trying to give you a balance of sobriety and soberness so that you will see that even in the midst of a storm, somebody has to go to work. Co- what kind of situation we're in? I don't know if you really understand the complexity of where we are as a nation. But the day a working husband, a working man, a working family gets a welfare check from the government is a day that we're really in t- t- tough times. Oh, you call it a stimulus. Oh, that's why you didn't recognize what I said. You call it a stimulus check. It's a welfare check. Is a check or a funding to ensure that you potentially have the necessary things in a tough situation. And anytime a working person like you and I get a stimulus check from the government, we're in tough times. Oh, we're in tough times. No, we're in tough times. You may not have thought about it like that. You probably got your money and put it away and said, thank you, Jesus. But it was a sign that we're in trouble. It was a sign for you to go to work every day for you to uh have your investments some of you got your, your stocks and mutual funds and for you to still get a stimulus check it's a sign that we're in trouble we're sign that we're in a tough time it's a sign all right and even in these tough times i want you to have perspective and god wants you to have balance and god wants you to be sober the whole world can't shut down right now yes there's some places need to shut down There are certain things we can do without there's certain things we have to suffer. There's certain things even as we're doing currently at our church. There are things we're currently doing right now to keep and navigate the season until it's the proper time of reopening. There are things you just have to do to stay safe. And everybody needs to be sober enough in this environment to stay safe. Let me give you another point about sobriety. When Jesus is on the thing, on the mountain, on, the, on, on in the temptation with Jesus, and, 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 and temptation with the Satan, and Satan wants to tempt him, It says these words, if thou be the son of God. In this season, to be sober, you have to know your value. You must also know priorities. See, you'll get confused on what to do next, how to do what you need to do if you lose sight of priorities. One of the principles that I've laid at the foundation for this church that I want to repeat in my sermon today is that all of you are valuable. You're valuable for today and you're valuable for tomorrow. One of the things that we've been shared with the praise and worship team and those who are part of the central service, and it goes for me and myself, is, hey, this is not the environment to push it. Meaning, normally, if you're not feeling well, you go to work anyway. If you're not feeling well, you just try to go anyway. This is the environment to be sober and says, let me back up today. If you can take off work because you're not feeling good and you got the leave and the balance to do it and the relationship with your superiors to do it, you should take off. There are times at work doing all the pressures of what's happening around us. You should take off for a wellness day and keep your mind ready and keep yourself balanced. See, these these are the things you have to institute to survive storms. Last two weeks ago, we took off a rest day. A rest day nothing was wrong nothing happened that was uh, uh, of a setback but God had told me you have to plan some rest days uh, people are being pressured and stressed, and things are happening around them and so just plan a, a rest day I got it hard in mind for some more rest days that we just need rest days we need days where we can relax we need days where we can laugh we need days where we need to have humor if you're going to make it and keep your sanity you're gonna to have to find some rest days And so we had a rest day here, all right? And I and I want everybody to know, and I'm saying even to our praise and worship team who's here, and I'm saying it real loud so everybody can hear me. And nobody needs to fuss in this environment, especially in this church, about your value. We value you for today, and we value you for tomorrow, all right? And so we're not losing value over our leaders and our people. We understand we're in a safety situation. Jesus was in the temptation of the wilderness, and the devil tried to tempt him with his value, all right. I don't need Minister Amber if this was the case that she needs to take off because she need to worry about if she can. She needs to understand she's valued. Come on. She needs to understand. And I need her to have the confidence if she knew need to to say, Pastor, I'm not coming today. I need to take off. Just give us ample time. Mm-hmm. Ample time. She would. She does. So we can plan and coordinate. Come on. You can't just be responsible in the area and then tell the people the last minute when you could have planned in advance, right? That's what I'm talking about. You can't do that, especially when you valuable, alright You can't do that. But I wanted you to, to really understand own your value I'm um, in this season and that's why I'm teaching the way I'm teaching today because there may be times you need to tell your supervisor, your directors, your bosses hey I'm under some pressure right now I need a day off I need a day coming up in the next two days to balance off the season, to balance off what I'm trying to do with my kids, to balance off what I'm trying to do with my family. As you keep your priorities in order, it'll help you make these critical decisions for your household. And today, I want to preach and teach you just a little differently, more practical, more, more guidance driven, more principle driven so that you can be able to survive these storms to the end time. Jesus expected his disciples to be able to deal with this storm and Jesus expect us to deal with this storm as well and so I want you to understand the difference between not being scared and being sober I think I covered quite a bit that I'm gonna skip a few scriptures all right let's go to Luke 8 verse 11 I'm gonna go to Luke 8 I done skipped a few y'all y'all should be praising the Lord I done skipped a few amen so you should be praising the Lord I handled my points I skipped a few I'm going to Luke 8 I'm going to Luke 8 verse 11 it says now the parable Now, the parable is this. Now, I want to give you this parable. The seed is the word of God. Those by the wayside are they that hear. Then cometh the devil and taketh away the word out of their hearts, lest they should believe and be saved. So, the word came. They heard the word. But here comes the devil. See, when you hear God's good news, you have an adversary. You got the enemy who don't care about your destiny, care about your life, and he come to take away the word. Listen, that's why I told you about the word. If you're going to make it through, you need the word. He comes after the word. And he wants to take the word out of your heart. And that's what's happening in this season is that the enemy is coming to drain you dry of the word you will live upon. Because if you will live upon this word, you will believe and be saved. Verse 13, they own the rock. These are the parable of the seed. The parable of the seed sown. Parable rock are they which when they hear, receive the word. So they hear, receive the word with joy. Thank the Lord for the word. And these have no root. A root. These have no root. For, while they, uh, for, for a while they believe and in time of temptation they fall away. So this a person hear the word, but they got rocks in the way. They receive the word with joy, but when temptation comes, they fall away. And they that which fell among thorns are they, which when they had heard, go forth and are choked. So they hear the word, but they got thorns. The thorns is, they're choked with what? The cares and riches and pleasures of this life and bring no fruit to perfection. So this is a person who got too many other goals in mind that it competes with right priorities. They got so many goals. This is even a person who cares more about how people perceive them. They're so worried about being the top dog that they can't do basic stuff right. They're so, ba- they're so busy about people telling them they're great. They got so many cares of this world. The opinions of people, listen to me clearly, matter too much. I'm not speaking to people who can't hear opinions and then have reflection, because that's healthy. But I'm talking about a person who the opinions of others matter too much. I'll say it so you can hear me clearly. Somebody says something disappointing to you, and we didn't see you in two weeks. You don't went somewhere and hid under a rock. Next time we see you, we got the CPR, your destiny back together give you heart compressions and remind you who God told you to be because you care too much about what everybody got to say let me tell you something about destiny if it was about my destiny somebody I love told me what I couldn't do they told me that I wouldn't preach they told me that I couldn't pastor they told me where I heard it I'm not telling no fairy tale this ain't no hypothetical something I'm telling you somebody that I knew that I loved that I trusted told me what I couldn't do and if I would have paid attention to everything they had say and now what the god was telling me and what the world was telling me i'd have been somewhere today wandering in the wilderness wondering where my destiny is and you better learn to hear god for yourself in this climate yeah i thank god i'm your pastor i plan to teach and preach but you better be learn how to hear god for yourself i'm not gonna be there every morning i'm not gonna be there every night you ain't gonna be able to call me every day you're not gonna be able to do it you better know the lord for yourself See, that's the end-time message. End-time Bible preaching says you need to know the Lord for yourself. See, that's the end-time message. End-time message that makes you responsible for your salvation. You're not going to get to the pearly gates and start bringing up names of all the people who told you different. Well, you know, my cousin, you know, he been by my side. You know, that's how people go to jail all the day, every day. That's how people go. No, no, let me talk this. That's how people go to jail every day because they got loyalty. They don't know when to break foolish loyalty. You know, that's my cousin and all that. We've been there. Well, come on, man. Let's go rob this store, man. Come, come on, man. We got to do this. I got to get me some money, man. And you and you have this loyalty that leads you into wickedness and foolishness. You got to learn to tell people, I ain't doing it. I ain't going there. I ain't, I'm, I'm. You got to make decisions for your destiny. You got to be clear-headed. You can't keep blaming everybody. You're not going to get to the pearly gates and bring up all the people who influenced you and you obeyed their decisions. You got to start being responsible for who you are. You got to be start being responsible. Just like Elder, uh, uh, Elder Ezekiel said a few months ago, you can't keep telling God the devil made me do it. You got to get some self-control. You got to say, no, it was me that made the bad decision. That's my wicked self. That's my lustful self. Come on, you got to stop blaming the devil. See, that's a part, even in Christianity, that people don't grow properly because they want to blame the devil. We know we have an adversary, but the Bible says, but you be sober, but you be vigilant because you have an adversary. We know we have an enemy, but as Christians, we cannot lose self-control. We cannot lose moral ethics and keep blaming the devil for everything. That's the people who don't grow into fruitfulness. They're always blaming everybody and they care too much about what everybody got to say. I'm preaching it, that's fine. And they never bring fruit to perfection. And so these chapters and these verses show us how to live and how to overcome. Um, In verse 15, let me finish that. But that on good ground, say good ground. Good ground. Are they which in an honest and good heart, when an honest and good heart, mm -hmm, let me get that. Yeah, turn that off. I got people texting me while I'm preaching. Uh-huh. I Got my phone up here. <laughs> I'm fine. But that on the good ground are they which in an honest and good heart, having heard the word, keep it. Come on, this is where you and I need to be. We need to be honest. See, don't wait. the only way you make it through tough times, you got to be honest. You know. You know, it's like people sometimes wait too late to say they need help. We all see you drowning. And we all called you because we know you drowning. We reached out to you by phone, and we called you. God didn't put you in our spirit for no reason. We called you and reached out to you. We knew something was wrong. Got on that phone, you faked it the whole conversation. Oh, I'm fine, Pastor, oh, I'm fine. Act like nothing wrong. See, honesty will take you further. Sometimes you cost your helpers more because you don't be honest when you need to be. It's like the person who needs help and got somebody to help them, but they don't say they need help when they need help. It's like the person who needs to borrow money, and I'm not advocating this so you can borrow some money, but, but you can bear witness to the story. <clears throat> I'm, I'm putting a disclaimer. I'm not putting out there to teach you how to borrow money and call me or call anybody else, but there's times you need help. That's my point. I'm going to stay on the point. Sometimes you need help. And you knew you needed help because things happened in your finances. You knew you needed help. But you waited till the last minute till you were three months behind on your light bill. And then by the time you called for the bailout plan, now they got to help pay the administrative fees, the late fees. You became costly because when you needed help, you spoke up too soon. Some of you are not honest in life. Some of you bring more pressure on yourself because when you do have people around you, let me talk about this. I'm about to bring it home in a little bit, I feel it. Some of you are not honest enough even about people who love you. Let me tell you how frustrating it is to be in a loving environment with people who don't communicate their needs. You know how frustrating it is when somebody got to figure out where you are all the time, where you are in mind, where you are in heart, where you are in soul. They live with you, they love you, and you never speak up. But then when you finally speak up, your words are like this. You ought to know the devil is a lie. You ought to speak up. You ought to know. You know how I am. No, you're going to grow up. You're going to learn how to speak up to people who love you. You're going to learn how to communicate. Nobody got time to be fasted three days using the spirit of discernment to figure out where you are. You're going to speak up. No, you're going to mature and you're going to speak up. You become costly to those who rightly love you. Just speak up. Just speak up. Well, I didn't want to be rejected. All the people can say is yes or no. If they say yes, you got it. They say no, you don't. That's it. That's all it is. It's either a yes or a no ask for it, move on with your life. And some of us become so costly in life to other people who love us because we're not honest. If you're going to make it and survive and you're going to be like the seed that breathes forth fruit with patience, you're going to have to be honest. You know, a few weeks ago, one of the patterns that I spoke about and I spoke about when I used Minister Emma as an example, a few weeks ago, Pastor Robin and I were scheduled to go out of town for a quick trip to do a little something. And I wasn't feeling well, she wasn't feeling well. And so we told the people we were not coming because in this environment, again, there's no sense of in it. We, we didn't know what we was dealing with. I felt like I had a sinus headache infection going on, but it wasn't no sense of just trying to go. No, 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 no. Neither did I come to church that Sunday. I watched it online, enjoyed the presence of the Lord, and I stayed home. Not that, and, and I stayed home because I knew my value. I also knew my value. This is what I'm, I'm making a point here. For those who know you ain't feeling good and keep going into environments I'm saying this because there's a soberness and a responsibility that you got to have to your brother and your sister. And if you know you're not feeling well, stay away and quarantine. Stay away and get yourself well. Don't keep going. I'm fine. I'm fine. No, no. Stop pushing it. Stop chancing it. Stop doing that in this environment. Take care of yourself. Stay now. Stay home. Took my medicine, got my sleep, figured out what was going on in my body. Got myself together. Here I am today. I'm fine. Church kept going on. Elder Ezekiel preached the socks off that day. One of them preached uh, Elder Sins. One of them preached their socks off that day. I was fine. I, I hollered, screamed, rolled over, listened to the message, took a nap. Thank you, Jesus. Came back on Wednesday feeling good. man, Didn't infect my environment now that I had anything to pass on. But didn't infect, didn't even, didn't even bring suspicion to it. Because it's an environment where people want to feel safe. So don't be coming in these environments, hacking and coughing, talking about I just got a cold. Stay home. That's how God told me to talk to you today. Stay home. Stay in a place to get well. There are too many other things that people got to think about than to worry about what you're dealing with. We love you. Know your value and stay home. You're still going to be good to us. We're still going to love you. So what? You couldn't show up. Hallelujah. We know you're still valuable. Know you're valuable, all right. Know you're valuable, and stop getting cabin fever and making wrong decisions. All these people now—most of y'all—I'm about to take my beeline line here. Most of y'all shouldn't be at no clubs and all that kind of stuff anyway. Especially when you in seminar in the survey saying you was ready to come at church. So, yeah, you know what I'm about your business. So, as Christians, you shouldn't be in no clubs anyway. Number one, as Christians, you shouldn't be in no clubs anyway. Number one, because, you know, the enticements that normally happen in the, the environments. So they, all right. Y'all act like clubs change or something like that. When I went, I remember what happened. They well, Pastor, it as you. Well, OK. Well, you show me that you Superman and you Superwoman, that you can just keep going in temptation and that thing not affect you and there's enough places I don't go because I don't think there's some sense of fun some places I don't go because I understand the hazard that it brings to my life and the temptation there are certain things I never see because I never go there to see it there are certain things I never tempt it with because I never go there to tempt it come on I tell people all the time I don't even go out and shop doing homecoming I don't I don't you can do what you want to do but I don't go and shop doing homecoming people seem to lose thread on their clothes and stuff like that and things don't stay I don't go anywhere. I don't. There's no sense of doing that. People don't. They're everywhere. Some people are careless and I just don't need to be fighting those type temptations and I don't need to be in that situation. I don't need to put myself in that. I don't need to be over frustrated in that. I'm just trying to use myself as an example so y'all can stop acting like you're Superman and Superwoman and you're not affected by things in in life. You got to learn to be smart concerning your vessel. You got to have self-control. You got to learn where to put yourself and where not to put yourself. You're never going to live right you're never gonna live holy taking yourself to the wrong places you're never gonna be able to wait for your husband and wait for your wife if you keep doing the wrong things there are certain things you gotta do to discipline yourself and put yourself in the right posture and the right position it's hard to keep passing a passing a task if you put yourself in a test every time I'm going to say it again. It's hard to keep passing the test if you keep putting yourself in a test all the time. Keep putting yourself in all the time. Woo, made it out that time. It don't happen that way every time. God wants you to understand how to survive the storm to the end. I'm going to read my final verse and I'm done. Here's my final verse. Here's my final verse right here. Let's go to Matthew 24. Matthew 24. Matthew 24. 5 to 13. I told you I was heavy in the word today. I told you the Holy Spirit been dealing with me all week. I want to focus on teaching in order, preaching in order. There's just certain things I had to say. I need to make sure you prepare for the end times. I need to make sure you're sober. I, I got to make sure you understand the warfare that's going on in this season. There's heavy warfare going on in this season. I got to make sure that you're in the word, that you're in worship. There's another end time scripture, Matthew 5, Matthew 24, verse 5 to 13. We'll end right here. Thank you for staying with me. I know I'm challenging you today. I know some of you don't like, again, being connected through technology because you're an in-person person, but I thank you for holding on today. I really feel pushed to share this. Matthew 24, 5 to 13, will where I end. Verse 5 says, For many shall come in my name, saying, I am the Christ, and shall deceive many, and ye shall hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that ye be not troubled, for all these things must come to pass. But the end is not yet. Here we go. All these things are going to happen, but the end is not yet. you going to have to hold on. Verse 7, for nation shall rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom, and there shall be famines, pestilence, and earthquakes. In diverse places. All these are the beginning of sorrows. Then shall they deliver you up to be afflicted and shall kill you. That's persecution. And ye shall be hated of all nations for my name's sake. And then shall many be offended and shall betray one another and shall hate one another. And many false prophets shall arise and look what the prophet is going to do and shall deceive many and because iniquity shall bound the love of many shall wax cold because of iniquity people's love going to run out final verse but he that shall endure until the end the same shall be saved You got to survive these storms until the end. There will be earthquakes, pestilence. There's going to be famine in the land. We're going to have to have some discipline. We're going to have some emotional stamina. But if you can endure until the end, you shall be saved. You can't give up in the midst of a storm. You can't frantic. You can't give up. You can't throw in the towel. Through the power of Christ, we got to we got to make it through these seasons. God will give us wisdom and God will give us grace. Again, there are decisions that's going to be made in the next couple of days. If the schools decide to open, there will be decisions that you have to make for your household. There are decisions you have to make for your family on what you're going to do. But whatever you do, have faith in God. I said, whatever is best for your house, whatever you have to decide to do, have faith in God. Use wisdom. Be sober. And trust God. The times you have to make hard decisions and trust God. Now, I don't doubt that some of you are going to have to make some hard decisions. I don't doubt that during these times, some of you are going to have to make difficult decisions. But at the end of the day, trust God. Trust God to keep you. Trust God to protect you. Trust God to give you the wisdom and the grace to help you survive those trials of life and those storms until the end. The Bible declares, he that endure to the end shall be saved. So first of all, I want to pray as we get ready for communion. I want to pray for those who have accepted the Lord Jesus. Yesterday we want to celebrate, last week we want to celebrate that Sister Jill gave her life to Christ. Will you praise God for Sister Jill? She was online, she gave her life to Jesus. And we were able to reach out to her and say, you gave your life to Christ. And we believe that's the wonderful thing to do, is to give your life to Jesus Christ. And through Christ we can do all things that when he strengthens us. And I want you to prepare your hearts for this time of communion as we go to our altar call. If you're here today, you heard this message, you're like, well pastor, I need to accept Jesus. If I'm going to be sober, I need to be sober in Christ. I'm going to be sober in Christ. I need you to accept Christ as your Lord and your Savior today. If you haven't, and you're on our our line, on our page. I need you to recognize one of the most important things you can do is to be ready whenever he comes for you. That you have that confidence where you should go should you leave this world. That your soul will rest in eternity with Christ Jesus. I need you to be sober about that today I need you to have that awareness today I need you to have that awareness today I need you to be full assurance if you're not I need you to put into timeline pray with me for salvation I need you to put in the timeline where you're on YouTube or you're on Facebook live I need you to say pray with me for salvation and we'll pray with you and I'm going to take you through that prayer right now is if you believe that the Lord Jesus Christ died for your sins and is risen from the grave you shall be saved all you have to say is I am a sinner I confess that Jesus is Lord I confess that I can live right without him I confess that he's my redeemer my savior and with him I am qualified for heaven and because of him he has paid the price come on he paid the price for your sins and so if you're there right now and you're saying that's me I want you to say I, 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 help me pray for salvation in the timeline and those even on the timeline will be praying for you as well as ourselves and we'll be make be sure to reach out to you because we want you to be saved one of the greatest things that we have always tried to pay attention to at our church is our time of altar call. That's the biggest thing. It's not about preaching a message and after the preaching a message, people shouting and dancing. That happens too. But this becomes an opportunity an appeal for Christ. I remember in my early years of pastoring, how sometimes I would judge if I was going to give an appeal. My early years of pastoring, those early years, 2018, 2008, 2009 while I was still copying some of the traditions of other people that I saw and I would decide if I was going to do an altar call for salvation sometime depending on how good I thought my message was if I thought my message was like hot and I felt like yeah I think I got a soul today then I would do it the Holy Spirit corrected me one day and told me that you never have a choice in the matter every time you mount that pulpit to teach and to preach don't you ever forget and sometimes I've forgotten there are times I haven't done, done it and that was just me forgetting because I've done so much in that time of ministry but after that point in 2008 2009 when, as a young pastor when he corrected me the Holy Spirit corrected me I've never intentionally my lovely wife normally sits on the front row past Robin and say altar and y'all know me sometimes I forget the offering, so that's that's unintentional but since that day I've never intentionally never done an altar call because somebody needs to be saved somebody needs to know the lord jesus if you're there today i want you to know this is your moment this is your time and we want you to know that jesus loves you and jesus cares and he's died for you and you have no reason to continue to live in sin if you die and go to hell it'll be your own fault it won't be pastor joe's fault i've given an opportunity somebody else has given it It won't be my fault the blood won't be on my hands today i've given you an opportunity to change from your ways i had to do it i don't care how great i thought i was I come from a lineage of preachers and pastors and bishops and mothers in the church and missionaries and all that and none of that saved me growing up in the church didn't save me hallelujah and alone being baptized in water didn't save me not alone matter of fact I got baptized because I was saved people confused they think because they get baptized that means they saved no you get, saved. you get baptized because you are already saved that's why you get baptized. There are people who've been baptized and they ain't living nothing. They're being baptized ain't following nothing. You no bit of saved. All you was was baptized. You get baptized because you are saved. If the water in itself changed people, it's the confession of heart. It's not just the water. If that was the case, I would take people that I love who were not saved, and I would just, I would grab them and throw them in the water. If it was just about being in the water but it's a decision of heart. And so I'm after you today if you haven't accept Christ, that you will accept Christ. We hope you've been blessed by this fresh word from Truth Gatherers Dream Center Church. Pastor Joseph Davis and the congregation invite you to join them. You can find more information by following them on social media. Just look up Truth Gatherers Dream Center Church. And we pray that God will bless you richly and abundantly in the coming days, knowing that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him.